Welcome to the Catalyst Life Coaching Podcast with John Kim and Noelle Cordeaux. If you're inspired to begin your own life coaching practice or just want to learn a little bit more about what it's all about, visit journey.co. That's J-R-N-I dot C-O for more information. Your adventure awaits. On today's episode, we are going to dominate your questions, and by we, I mean Noelle Cordeaux. Noelle, good morning. How are you? Good morning. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing well, and uh, maybe dominate is not the right word. It's a little aggressive. What about, uh, what's a better word? Uh, questions roulette? What are we doing? We're going to answer your questions. We're going to answer your questions this morning. And... Uh, <laughs> So Instagram has this new feature where you can ask a question, um, and so I play with it a lot. So I've been getting uh, literally uh, about 100 a week, and what's great about these questions are um, they're super short, and I know Noelle can appreciate this because she gets long-winded emails about your life, um, which she reads, but these questions are like two, three sentences. So um, they, they kind of fall under, under the umbrella of what I love in the shot glass. Uh, hey, maybe it should be shot glass and wine glass instead of magic and science. I totally dig that. Do you like yes. that? It, it matches because I know you also enjoy wine. I don't like wine at all. Um, and everything I do is just very short and abrupt and, and um, hurts when it goes down. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, too early for that. On okay. that note, <laughs> what, what are your, your good readers asking you these days? Okay, uh, they're about anything. And you know what's fun about this is Noelle has no idea. So she has no idea to prep. We're just going to go off the hip. And I always think that um, sometimes they make the best conversations when we, when we actually don't prep at all, which we don't. Um, so let's, let me just pick one out of the hat. Um, Why do we seek external approval so much? This is a broad, broad, broad question, but so many can relate to. Why do we seek external approval so much? Um, you know what's I, interesting is well, I, I wonder if different cultures, you know, like obviously, uh, you know, in, in a capitalistic society in, in Western, um, the world that we live in, it's very predominant, but like. I wonder if, like, you know, uh, third world countries and other places, uh, they actually seek less approval, I wonder. Oh, no way. We're, we're totally tribal creatures. And I think that it gets more complex and complicated um, based on the culture that we're in. Um, so kind of looking from a global perspective, Eastern cultures, different continents where survival is even more deeply tied to the community, um, Approval is is um, even more predominant as a cultural trait, and like you got to think about it, like everything that bugs us, right, has some form of functionality. So what is um, what is seeking approval from others do for us? You know, in an overarching society, it it keeps us in line. Essentially. So, do you think there's actually um, a healthy? Part of seeking approval and validation. Uh, I mean, I mean, it, it just uh, it's it's um, it kind of ingrained in who we are, right? Because it, it's always it gets a bad rap, you know. You shouldn't seek approval. It, I mean, that's kind of the message that we hear all the time, especially you know with the self help videos. I've said it many times about not seeking approval and validation. Um, but is there a part of that that's actually just kind of natural and healthy? I think so. Uh, you know, I think so. I think it. I think that seeking approval from others. Um, 
gives you clues to whether or not your behavior is or is not acceptable. Um, like if I'm being a complete and total asshole day in and day out, my husband and dog will get pissed at me straight up, you know, <laughs> like, and for me to be like, I don't care what you think, you know, that doesn't contribute to a happy or healthy home environment. I think that when, um, you let expectations of others govern your internal emotional environment to an extent which it, it's preventing you from authentic living, um, doing things that are healthy, um, progressing in your career or your purposeful life trajectory, that's where you get into problems. But yeah, I, and I also think that, you know, um, if you seek a little approval and validation, it's also a way of you trying to connect. A hundred percent. That's what, you know, I was, I was meditating this morning on um, connection to others and a line that really jumped out for me was in order to love someone fully, you have to accept them as they are. And so if you think about that, you know, it's a two-way street, right? You have to accept yourself as you are. You have to request that of others. And then, you know, I guess where does approval kind of fit in there? It's not like you're asking for permission. You're, you're co-creating. All right, question two. Is there really something to this masculine-feminine energy thing? Yes. Yes, 100%, I agree. Um, let's explain a little bit of this masculine feminine energy. You know, back in the day when I was a, um, an ignorant little boy, uh, <laughs> this is last weekend, I, um, I thought masculine and feminine energy had to do with men and women, meaning, you know, men, masculine, women, feminine, feminine but uh, that is not true. We all have masculine and feminine energy. Yes, absolutely. And, and I think that, you know, as we move into more of an age of intersectionality where gender is fluid and where sexuality is fluid, the, the terms man and woman and masculine and feminine, everything gets blurry because, you know, I think that goes back to approval and expectations where if you were, you were labeled a man, there were certain roles in society that you were expected to fill and certain things that you were expected to live up to. But as we know, and as we've heard from, you know, lots of men, that has been really detrimental. I mean, what's been your experience with trying to live up to masculine ideals? Um, challenging and uh, uh, be behind trying to live up to something, there's judgment, you know, mm -hmm. all of that stuff. Um, but I really believe in this masculine, feminine energy uh, stuff, especially when it comes to intimate relationships and, um, our dance, our banter, uh, the way that we engage, uh, it definitely plays a factor. There's a book called The Way of the Superior Man. Um, I know it's kind of a, a strange title, but um, it changed my life. And the whole book is about um, men and women, uh, but through this, this perspective of masculine and feminine energy uh, in the bedroom, uh, in the conversations, outside the bedroom, just in life. And... Um, if you guys don't know that book, get it. It's really good. I wonder if there's a different way to label masculine and feminine energy because it, they're so loaded, right? Like my experience of trying to live up to a feminine ideal has been fucking hell. Um, so, you know, but the, but the energy piece is is unique. So I, I wonder if, if maybe there's a different way to, to isolate those really beautiful traits that we love 
about each piece of energy and and embody it in a different way. I agree with you. I like that that yin and yang thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but to say masculine and feminine, we instantly uh, label it. We put it in boxes. Yep. Question three: How can I get to know myself better without therapy? Ooh, ooh. So this is fun. Um, so this this kind of has been a coaching question that's come up for me from um, some of our coaches and stuff they're going through in life. And you know, there's such a disconnect between what we think we should be doing in life. Um, and what we are doing in life and then taking it even further, you know, what do we actually enjoy in life and what is our purpose? Um, so I think that the answer to that question of how can I get to know myself starts with noticing and starts with kind of ripping off the masks and ripping off the veneers and, and, and being really honest with yourself at any given time, you know, like, are, are you enjoying yourself? Are you enjoying your activities? Are you enjoying your career? Are you enjoying the people who are around you? And do you even know what it's like when you're actually happy and when you're actually in a state of blissful ecstasy? You know, and where do those breadcrumbs lead? I love that. I talk a lot about um, growth being a reunion and connecting to parts of yourself that you have locked into a hope chest because, you know, life happened or because you had kids or you got married or you're chasing the corner office or whatever it is. Um, this happened to me and it wasn't until I started to, um, reconnect to that, you know, part of John Kim, um, that I locked away or ignored. And I did that through, um, finding CrossFit, buying a motorcycle, you know, expressing myself on a blog. Uh, so tapping into that writer in me that I stuffed away when I thought I failed as a screenwriter. So like, I think, um, to answer this question, one way to start to get to know yourself better is through reconnecting with the parts of you that you have locked away. What would you say would be a first step towards doing that? Um, first, thinking about, and actually not thinking about, but really feeling and imagining when you were the happiest. Uh, so for me, it was around 12, you know, when you... Um, before you started to wear the veneer or before you started to be someone um, that, that you didn't like, uh, before the world didn't have its hands on you, you know? And so for me, it was around 12. And then uh, compare that person to who you are now, even in spirit and how you are and how you think and, you know, your energy. We are just talking about masculine, feminine energy, your energy, all of that. Uh, and if there's a difference, if there's a gap, the next question is what would it look like to tap into that person again. Now it doesn't mm. it doesn't mean to do the exact same thing. So like, you know, for me, you know, if I was breakdancing at twelve, it doesn't mean for now to start breakdancing again. I mean it could. It's more about tapping into the spirit of John Kim. So when I was twelve, I was uh, extremely loud and crazy and high strung and all the kids would say, John, calm the fuck down. Shut up. They kept telling me shut up. Um and so now as a forty five year old uh, when that side comes up, I actually try to protect that 12-year-old and allow him to speak instead of shutting him down. Mm. And that's why on my Instagram, you'll see me with um, pictures of my pants down, 
and um, all sorts of stuff. <laughs> what I, have you been doing on Instagram recently, John? Um, this, oh is my a, goodness. This, this is a while ago, but I, I, I think the furthest I pushed myself or the most I, re, I reconnected, that would be the reframe, was um, I posted a picture of me being someone or being very silly or immature. Um, but for a 45-year-old therapist, that is definitely, uh, according to the world's eyes, not appropriate. But I said, you know what, my connection to me is more important. And so I posted it. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And, uh, you know, I, I think that's such an important conversation is, um, is what does it look like to exist as yourself without boxes? You know, there doesn't, it, it doesn't. And it doesn't mean to do things that are, um, like if you, you know, you know, if you are a drug addict, it doesn't mean to go back doing drugs or if you, I mean, I mean we're, we're not talking about things that are, that are harming yourself, right? Obviously we're talking about positive things. No, we're talking about your innate spirit. And getting in touch with that person. 100%. Cool. What else do you have for me? Oh, my God. I have so many. And I love this because we're already more than halfway done. And I feel so good about answering questions because there's a side of me. Um, and because, you know, we can't get, I'll get to all our emails and all our questions, especially with social media. And I feel guilty about that. But what a great way to just, like, knock this shit out. So, um, and also have help doing it, you know. Yeah. Here we go. Next one. I have a fight to not recoil when my partner touches, kisses me. What do I do? Oh, skin hunger. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> yeah. Some people don't like it, actually. Some people don't like to be touched. Right. So that's so we've talked about this before, but it's always great to give a refresher on it. So people fall onto lots of different continuums uh, with their body, with their sexuality, with the way they experience emotions and love and physical attraction. And one of those continuums is the extent to which you like to be touched straight up. Um, it's a scale of one to a thousand, one being, yeah, I really don't like it so much. And a thousand being like, I live for this. Um, so, and, and then there's everything in between, right? Are you, are you a thousand? Um, yeah, I'm pretty much up there at a thousand. Me too. Um, I think it's so important. Uh, even if it's like you're driving and the person's hands just on your shoulder, or on your leg, it's, um, it's so, it's like milk for me. It's, it, it's, it's, and, and it's important to know that because one of the things, especially working in the realm of couples coaching and sexuality coaching is when people are mismatched in the way that they like to be touched, one partner can be left feeling like, oh God, you know, I, you know, like, like the person who asked this question, I just really don't enjoy this. And the other partner is left feeling like emotionally starved or physically starved and like they're not getting what they need. Um, but I have to say that there are workarounds, you know, um, I have a dog. And George the dog is probably one of the most snuggled animals on the history of the planet because I, one of the ways that I fulfill my need for touch is by snuggling my dog and my wonderful husband who doesn't like having a human barnacle attached to him gets a little bit of relief. My revelation today is that I need a dog. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which is very different than a cat. Dogs. Yes. Love, I mean, dogs, you could cuddle them, uh, all day. Yep. Yep. Depends on the doggy too. My, I had a Bernese mountain dog who I just wanted to snuggle him and he was like, yeah, nah. Uh, yeah. 
<laughs> so it depends. But but yeah, the and, and the, the measure is called skin hunger. It's a weird name, but that's what the actual measure for this stuff is. And so, you know, this is this goes back to part of the conversations that it's really important to have when you start dating somebody. It might be a really weird question to ask on a first, second, or third date, but hey, do you mind telling me a little bit about the extent to which you like to be touched? Should be on the table. It's a big deal. But, you it's know, a big uh, deal. It, it's a big deal because um, it's always the little things in the day to day that adds up to big things. Mm-hmm. You know, and that is one of those things. Yep, it's a big deal. So ask prospective partners, everybody. And, you know, frame it differently or, you know, frame it in, in terms of I statements. Like I am a person that really like lives for physical connection with my partner, not just sexual, mm-hmm. you know, how about you? Next question. My partner has, uh, my partner has been abusive for some years. Can an abusive person change? Oh, geez. Oh boy. Um, well, first I, I do believe abusive uh, people can change, of course. Um, it's difficult, but that 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 possibility is there. But um, the more the red flag for me is, uh, she says my partner has been abusive for some years, meaning that um, she's still in this. Yeah, and and the cycle of domestic violence is real. It's very hard to break. Um, there's a lot that happens emotionally and psychologically for both partners when they're in these relationships. A lot of times people who are abusive have experienced or have grown up with abuse themselves. Um, it's very complicated. It's very messy. This belongs squarely in the realm of uh, therapy and health modalities and not so much the realm of coaching. And so I always refer folks to hotlines, um, to therapists who are equipped and who know how to handle these situations. Um, And it's not for the realm of coaching. So if you're a coach and you're getting questions like this um, and it feels uncomfortable, you're correct in your intuition that this feels like something I can't handle or shouldn't be handling. And I would say to your reader, um, get help, get brave and get help. Um, because your life matters, your experience on this planet matters. And it's not up to you to save an abusive partner. It's up to you to protect yourself. Yes. And you guys know, I talk a lot about containers. Um, if you're in an abusive relationship, uh, whether it's physical or emotional or whatever it is, your your container's definitely cracked and it's going to stunt the growth of both of you guys. So it's going to stunt your growth, obviously, but also it's going to prevent your partner from looking at uh, him or herself and to actually um, work on this. Yeah. So if you can't do it for him or her, I mean, if you can't do it for you, then do it for your partner to get out. Um, next question. How can you build motivation when you're physically and emotionally drained? Drained. I think both Noelle, you and I can also, uh, can relate to this question. Yeah. Noelle, Noel, is this from you? <laughs> no, you know, so I, I think that where this begins and I have learned this lesson the hard way over the last couple of years. Um, I have this really bad habit, this really bad pattern of quite literally working myself into the ground physically. And then I crash. Right. And finally I'm getting better at noticing the warning signs of actually listening to my body and listening to what my body feels like when I'm approaching exhaustion. So for example, for me, I feel it in my eyes. My eyes get really tired. 
Um, emotionally, I find myself getting angry at, at little tasks that are piling up. Um, and that's very against my nature. I'm usually not an angry person at all. So when I start to notice those behavioral ticks or my eye twitches, or I'm, it's a signal to me that I've pushed it too far. And, I, and the best possible thing that you can do is to take a break. It's impossible to have motivation when you're exhausted. You're not you're not good for yourself. You're not good for others. You're not good at your job. You're not good at what you're trying to do. So take that break and recoup your energy. I love that. I love that you're saying to listen to your body um, and you know your, your eyes included, that it's not a logical thing, but if you feel something in your body, your body's trying to tell you something. Oh, yeah. Well, you'll have habits and patterns. Um, you know, your body will have the same messages for you, um, whether, you know, it's about exhaustion, whether it's about contentment, whether it's about um, a negative, a negativity spiral, you know, we all have our, our physical cues. And that's part of getting to know yourself is listening to your body and understand what it's saying to you. Yes, 100%. Next question, how do you handle Toxic family members. Now, this is so common <laughs> yeah. and also extremely difficult. Fam- you know, that's the other F word, family. That's uh, probably the, 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 the most difficult um, people around us to manage and to, you know, draw boundaries with and all of that stuff. So how do you handle toxic family members? Yeah, and this is such a complex question and it's so um situationally specific right i mean the way you would handle a toxic family member that lives on the other side of the country is very different than the way you would handle a toxic family member that you live with um so there's you know apples and oranges here but um i think that you know there's a there's kind of a thread that's been running through every single one of these questions and the thread that i see from approval to um, being in relationships to the extent to what you like to be touched to exhaustion to toxic family members is know yourself know yourself know who you are know what um what the experience is for you when you're triggered by a toxic family member so that you can begin to get in front of it and say, oh, you know, this is happening. I don't have to be subject to it. I actually have choices here. And then make the appropriate choices to protect your mental health. Um, and, And that last point that I made of protecting your mental health, this is a concept that is kind of new to me, but I've been hearing people talk about it more and more about setting your life up in a way where you're not constantly being battered with psychological anguish. And I really had to step back and think about that as a coach, you know, who helps people day in and day out, figure out their lives. It's like, Oh, well, what does it mean to set yourself up in a way in which you're actually protective of your mental health? Cause that's not something we think about. Mm, right. Absolutely. Next question, wanting a relationship because you're ready versus wanting a relationship because you're lonely. Both are real. Yes. I think, you know, I I think most actually get into something because they're lonely, Uh, not necessarily because they're ready or because they actually really want to be with that person. Well, you know, I mean, I have pretty different views on, on relationships, right? There are all different kinds of relationships. And 
there's nothing wrong with entering into a relationship because you're lonely. Just be clear about what you're doing and be clear with the other person about what it is and, and be clear that, you know, this is a stopgap. I'm not going to marry you, but I just want someone to spend my time with for a minute. You know what? This is why I love um, that you're my partner because I have such old school definitions on love and what they should be. And, I, you know, of course, I try to break out of them. And I think a lot of that comes from just being culturally uh, raised in a cultural Korean old school, you know, uh, the wife does this. And also like seeing my parents model, you know, all of that. Um, but every time we talk about relationships, you challenge me, you know, in a good way. And then it makes me question myself um, and makes me think, oh, maybe it is okay just to get uh, be with someone because you're lonely and not label it. And that doesn't have to be a marriage or forever. Um, maybe it's okay to um, have different relationships uh, for different reasons and you're getting different things out of those relationships. Like I never even thought of things like that, you know? A hundred percent. I mean, because and- I, I judge them like the world judges them. Well, and there's shame around it. And, and, and we're in a society that tells us that having a quote unquote relationship is like a box that we check off, you know, you check the box, you're winning at life. Congratulations. You have a relationship with a capital R, but what if it sucks? What if you don't want to be in it? What if, you know, you chose it for the wrong reasons and how nice would it be if humans could just acknowledge to each other that it feels better when you spend time around others and maybe we could just agree to engage in something that's imperfect for a little bit while we figure out how to get something better. Yes, and this is something um, in this full disclosure transparency that I'm actually struggling with today um, and learning a lot about. Um, and I think part of that is just um, being around Noel too long. <laughs> no, part, <laughs> part of that is, is age. Part of that is, you know, going through marriage and having most uh, traditional relationships for most of my life and now being open to um, approaching relationships in a new different way. And so that's going to be different for everyone. So um, if you are, whether you're single or not, uh, the way that you look at your relationship or other relationships, um, it might be interesting to start looking at them through new lenses, new definitions. Love the one you're with, John. Love the one you're with. Oh, is that a, is that a, are you talking directly to me or in general you're saying love whoever you're with? It's, it's a song lyric. Oh, got it. If you can't be with the one you love, love the one you're with. Oh, I like that. If you can't be with the one you love, love the one you're with. Yeah. So be, uh, be present and give as much, uh, to whoever you choose to love in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. All right, guys. Um, that was today's episode. And Noel, we knocked. I think this is the. I think this is the most questions we've ever knocked out in this short of time. It was fun. It was fun. We'll do question relay again. Yes, questions roulette is going to now be a series. And Noel, um, have a great day, and I will talk to you soon. All right, bye. Take care. Be well.